welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is paul moore from wellings capital welcome paul hey it's great to be here thanks rama yeah thank you paul thanks again coming back uh, after uh, you you came in episode 21 and thanks for coming back yeah uh, and little bit more about paul moore and wellings wellings capital so wellings capital is a real estate private equity firm helping high earners and high net worth individuals protect and grow their wealth through passive commercial real estate investing their 450 plus investors have joined in their funds to invest in over 17000 plus self storage manufactured housing and multi family units across the us valued at over 500 million so with that paul you want to add anything to your background i can tell you you know i i had an engineering degree then an mba i worked in corporate america for a while and then when i switched over to becoming an entrepreneur i made a lot of mistakes and the biggest mistake was just being uh chasing shiny objects trying to do too many things uh and not going deep on any one thing and that was a huge mistake on my part and i uh learned a lot from that and that's one of the reasons i'm so hyper focused on what we're doing here at wellings capital now so what what is your hyper focus now well so our company you know we we didn't think we didn't feel like we were a very great operator and we didn't have a great acquisition team but we do know how to vet investors we do know how to vet operators is what i should say so we became a due diligence partner for our clients for our investors and our goal is to find the very best investments and to to plug our investors into these and so our goal is to give our investors diversification across a variety of geographies and different asset types and different operators and uh then uh we our our goal is to give our investors cash flow and appreciation over a lot of years so that's that's what we do great so share me your thorough vetting process paul yeah so we have about a we have a 28 point checklist and we drop in you know we 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 drop in on their office we go to their different assets sometimes unannounced uh we talk to their employees if possible we talk to their investors we not only talk to their references but other people when we can um we also you know we do serious criminal and background checks uh we do detailed interviews with their team we uh, our goal is to find you know the uh the under the back story behind it we look for signs of backbiting or gossip or problems we you know we really we're really trying to find operators who have you know decades of experience in commercial real estate they don't all have decades you know in self storage or multifamily or whatever but we're looking for a really experienced team i mean if somebody wanted to know what we our vetting process you know they could go get brian burks book uh the hands off investor and that's a lot of what we do got it So what are the key elements you will look when when you're waiting you know these operators Yeah some of the keys are you know do they put their own money in the deal Another one is their character you know what do they do when things are tough and difficult cuz things get difficult you know and I want to make sure do I really want to be essentially financially married to this person for 10 years if things go you know get difficult or go badly 
um, you know, the, the worst op, a, a bad operator can ruin the best deal in the country and the, a great operator can take a mediocre deal and fix it. So we're looking for those great operators and they're, they're not always great promoters. Some of them haven't done a good job promoting their own brand, but they've done a fantastic job operating their assets. Got it. And, and you follow any typical business model for any of these uh, opportunities or so what exactly you look in business models? Well, we sure do. Actually, we are looking for assets that have unusual intrinsic value. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, Michelangelo was the greatest sculptor, at least believed to be the greatest sculptor all to, of all time. And um, Michelangelo said that he, when he looked at a block of marble, he was actually able to see past the marble and see the angel inside that just needed to be unlocked. And so he, that's what he did. He looked for intrinsic value in marble. And what we're looking for operators who have an incredible ability and a team and an to that can unlock, actually can find intrinsic value, can evaluate it before they acquire it, and then can unlock it through great operations. And so, I mean, this is why, you know, a lot of the operators we work with, they might make, you know, a 20 or 30 or 40%, re, uh, you know, increase in asset value over the first three years. And that sometimes can double the value of the equity when you add in, you know, even a modest amount of debt. And so that's really our strategy. We're looking for intrinsic value. Got it. So from debt structure or lending point of view, so what exactly will look and how much you will involve in that, that part? Yeah. You know, so we don't get deeply involved in the actual decisions to take on the debt, but when we're vetting the operator, we're looking for operators who might have a uh, loan to value ratio of maybe 70 or less, maybe 70, 60%. And we like to see them you know, kind of, uh, you know, after they get the operations turned around, you know, hopefully they'll have the LTV up to, you know, down to where it's in the forties sometimes. And that's pretty typical. What's more important to me is the debt service coverage ratio. I think the debt coverage ratio is the most important uh, number, the most important metric to track for creating margin of safety. And, you know, of course, the banks allow a 1.25 or 1.3. That's about a 25 or 30 percent margin of safety. But we like to see, you know, after a short time, that debt service coverage ratio getting up way above 1.678, even 2.0, even 3.0, which, you know, a 2.0 debt service coverage ratio is 100 percent margin of safety between the operating income and the debt payment. And that's what we love to see. Got it. Yeah, cool. And what what type of asset, uh, what type of asset classes are you looking, and what markets you're looking? Yeah, so we're really we are sort of neutral on the markets. I mean, we don't like California, like a lot of people. We've managed to avoid it amazingly, but we uh, our focus is on finding these fantastic operators and letting them become the experts in the markets. As far as the um, Asset types are, uh, you know, I wrote a book on multifamily, so we always love multifamily. It's harder to find intrinsic value in multifamily these days, but we're finding it through operators. Uh, also, self-storage, mobile home parks. Those are the three asset classes we've spent the most time in. We've also added uh, certain value-add light industrial 
and we're actually uh, expanding out into RV parks this year. Uh, it's been a very hard to find a great operator in the RV park space, but we have found one that we think we'll probably invest with by you know sometime this year. Okay, great. So in other like asset class also, you will see same kind of parameter uh, or same kind of stuff in vetting operators. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. And uh, how do you see like you no know, spike in interest rate or spike in inflation? going forward. Well, you know, I wrote an article called why you need to incre- why you will need to increase your rents 33% just to break even and that was kind of a shock headline on bigger pockets. Uh but the you know, if if a cap rate if you buy an asset at 4% and the cap rate expands to 5 or 5.5%, five you know, you need to just to break even, you need to raise the rents 25, 30, 35% or more. And of course, inflation might be the opportunity to do that. Uh, I will say a separate and apart from what I just said, the uh, high inflation in a time of very low interest rates is a very powerful combination to build wealth for real estate investors, because your biggest cost is fixed for sometimes 10 or 12 years. That's your interest, you know, your debt payment, debt service, and inflation allows you to increase rents um, just to keep up with inflation, if nothing else. Now, there's a of course, uh, there's the argument that's made, well, you're not making real wealth because it's nominal wealth. It's nominal in name only. But hey, I mean, at least you're staying way, way ahead of other asset classes. Real estate has a wonderful, unique opportunity to do that. Got it. Got it. And you mentioned you're uh, focusing on industrial and RV space also. So, so are you are you targeting any like you know location specific or you know only sponsor specific? We're only targeting uh, the best sponsors we can find. We're not uh, targeting any specific location. Got it. Got it. How do you see those uh, those uh, asset classes in coming years? Yeah, well, I think RV parks specifically. I mean, I think RV parks, I just wrote a book on self-storage, but it's already so popular. I mean, the cap rates are almost as difficult, challenging to buy as multifamily. Now, I will say the uh, cap rates um, on multifamily, while they're similar to self-storage, sometimes the intrinsic value, the upside potential is much higher on self-storage and mobile home parks. But RV parks top all of them, I think. I mean, RV parks, talk about a fragmented industry. There's 4,500, I think, RV parks in the US and their vast majority are owned by mom and pop owners who don't have the desire or the resources or the knowledge to increase the rents, increase the value, and maximize uh, returns. But I mean, honestly, it's it's a tremendous asset class that we really truly love. Got it, got it. And so, w- what is your focus in the next few years? Well, we're actually launching a new publicly registered fund. There were a lot of restrictions on being a non-registered SEC fund, so we actually are registering with the SEC right now. And we're starting a new fund and the new fund will kick off in uh, the, you know, by the end of the first quarter, second quarter of 2022, we, our goal is to raise about, uh, you know, something like a quarter billion dollars to invest across a lot of these asset types, but we're not changing our focus or our strategy one bit. Got it. So would you share any of your best experiences so far? Yeah. I mean, 
here's a quick example. And this is an example that speaks to the intrinsic value and it speaks to the power of the other type of multifamily, which is mobile home parks. And it speaks to, um, you know, the, the val the power of this rising market. So we, uh, we work closely with an operator who had seven people on his team. All they do is work the phones, email and text and GIS trying to find deals. And they found a deal in Louisville, Kentucky. The owner had not visited this mobile home park in at least five years since her spouse passed away. And she had never been there as she lived two or three states away. So we, uh, our operating partner paid a very, very nice price for this $7.1 million. That was about half debt, half equity. And it was, I mean, to have a park that large that had so many mom and pop characteristics. I mean, for example, the owner paid for the water and sewer and trash for the entire community. If you can imagine that still. And uh, the rents were 35% below market. The management staff and costs were way bloated. And there were a lot, there were 50 out of 300 or so spaces were empty. So our new operating partner, uh, the week COVID hit the you know headlines, February of 2020, acquired this asset. Like I said, three and a half million in equity, 3.6 million in debt or so and uh, went to work fixing it all through COVID and got an offer in August of 2020 uh, and eventually closed on the property for $15 million in December, 10 months after acquisition. I mean, this was just a huge home run. And honestly, the people who bought it did not get a bad deal either because there was still a lot of upside. So it was a real win-win for everybody. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, would you also share any of your challenging experience in this space? Yeah, the first multi. So the first multifamily deal I ever did um, was in North Dakota. It was a ground up development and it was a home run. Uh, the second multifamily, there were two deals, actually. So the next multifamily I, I asset I did um, was a very challenging one. It was also in Kentucky and it had some 1962 asset. The property management was really difficult. It had um, rusty, it had corroded pipes underground that we didn't know about till after a year of owning it. It was 1962 assets. So it was, you know, over 50 years old and just had a lot of challenges all along the way. And we finally were able to sell that asset for, you know, certainly more than we paid for it, but we did not get out with the type of result we wanted. And it just reminded me again that, that you know, this People say, oh, it's just easy. Once you get a great property management company, you're just putting it on autopilot. It's not true. There's a lot of challenges in the multifamily and in all spaces. That's why it's important for investors. If you've got a great job as a dentist, a doctor, an IT professional or whatever, you need to find a great operator so you don't have to worry about all this. I mean, this is why you're probably listening to this show right now. Many of you are probably looking for a great operator to invest with, like, you know, and so like Rama's show is, does a great job explaining the power of, you know, getting passive investments. If you've already got a, a you know, a job or a career or enjoying retirement. Good. Yeah. Thank you. So anyone advice that have impact on you, Paul? Yeah, uh, there's a great book that most of us have heard of, but it's by Jay Papazan and Gary Keller. It's called The One Thing. 
And this book has a powerful proposition about why it's so important to stay very, very focused and do what only you can do. And of course, they ask the question in the book, what's the one thing you can do that will make everything else easier or unnecessary? And I read that book several times and I didn't understand that question that well until I lived it. And now that I'm getting to the point where our company, you know, I, I can really see that now. I can see how important it is to uh, to live that way. And so that also helped me with my problem I told you about at the beginning of the show, which was my tendency to uh, be so uh, chasing all kinds of different shiny objects. That was a big mistake. And that book helped me remedy that mistake. Cool. And any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Yeah, I get up every morning a couple hours before I have to go to work and I don't actually eat. Uh, I've been doing intermittent fasting, but I actually try to spend time exercising, meditating. Um, I uh, do a journal and I try to ease my way into the day uh, and I try to get to bed early. I'm really trying to get over eight hours a night's sleep. And that's really helped a lot. Awesome. Awesome. And how are you giving back to community? Paul? Yeah. Well, you know, Rama, if you took the record profits, not the average, but the record profits of Apple, General Motors, Nike and Starbucks added those up and double that number, you would get the approximate profits that is are generated by human trafficking every year, according to the U.S. State Department. This is slavery, and this is a civil right that's been violated for tens of millions of people. And even since we started recording this show, um, you know, in these 20 minutes, uh, approximately 200 people have been sold or captured into slavery. And I don't want to just stand by anymore and watch this. So our company is trying to raise awareness and we're trying to raise funds to fight human trafficking and rescue its victims. Awesome. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect you with you, Paul? Yeah, well, um, the best way is at my website. It's wellingscapital.com. That's W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, wellingscapital.com. And if you go to wellingscapital.com slash resources, we got a lot of free stuff on there, including some resources on how to invest in self-storage, mobile home parks, and commercial real estate in general. Awesome. And thank you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Me too, Rama. It's an honor to be here again. Thank you so much. Sure, sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.